Hey, Senda. Hey, Phil. Do you want to talk about social conflicts, chases, races, and a whole host of other things that we could do without getting violent? I mean, I don't know. That's not really what I was up for today. Like, I feel like we should talk about something different. No, we're going to talk about this. Are, no, no, we're not going to talk about this. We need to talk. We need to talk about something different. We are absolutely going to talk. Topic. We are absolutely going to talk about this. Cue music. Three, two, one, go. <laughs> And welcome to another fine episode of Pandas Talking Games. Uh, I am your host who won that conflict, Phil. <laughs> uh, and I'm your other host, Senda. Not, not going not gonna to concede, but we're going to talk about it. <laughs> yes, indeed. Anyway. So today's topic um, came to us from Schmitty. Um, on the MMP luncheon call. So if you are a member of the Slack room, um, you can watch out for those announcements. We do still do lunches on Fridays um, or brunches, depending on where you are um, and the time zone or happy hours. Um, and uh, so Schmitty was asking us to talk about um, nonviolent conflicts and cool ways to use and think about nonviolent conflicts. Yeah, absolutely. So to, to kick us off, let's, uh, let's do what we do best, which is start with the definition. So conflict is a serious disagreement or argument, typically a protracted one. Right, let's, uh, let, let's pick apart a little bit of the definition. You know, I like this. Right, so um, I think the key part here is the disagreement argument. Mm -hmm. Means that the parties, and we'll get into this in a little more detail in a second, have different goals or different desired outcomes. And protracted meaning that this isn't something that just happens like in a snap, right? Like it's going to be something that has like a little back and forth to it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Now, the most common conflict in, in tabletop role-playing games is combat, right? We all know mm -hmm. this. Um, in some cases, it's the only conflict mechanism, that is actually in the game. Um, in a lot of older games or and or more traditional games, combat has a lot of rules, right? Looking yeah. at you, Pathfinder 3.0. Um, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, even still the D&Ds of the world, right? Um, D20 generally, mostly. I mean, D20 has always had an elaborate combat section and then has some other rules, right? Which... And and I will I will always say this. People will argue until they're blue in the face. But um, what a game does is is uh, determined a lot by how many rules you have for it. Um, yeah. Now, what we should say is what a game is built to do. Yes. Is the thing that they write a bunch of rules about, and if you play it differently than that, or toss a bunch of those rules, or add on a bunch of rules of your own, like that's great. But it is not what the game was actually. Yeah. Necessarily if you if you take right. the spells out of if you take the spells out of most D20 fantasy games, yep. the chapter that has the most um, words is is combat, which means yes. that combat is a it, combat is a primary mechanism for combats in those style games. Now, yep. to loop back to Schmidty's question, there are plenty of nonviolent conflicts in um, in role playing games. There are many of them that are um, uh, that have rules, and we're also going to talk about what to do when you want to have a conflict and you don't necessarily have specific rules for it, like things you can do on the fly kind of things. We're going to talk about all of that today. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to get off my soapbox about um, combat being <laughs> the most common conflict. Of it, it, There are many reasons for why that might be. It's wargaming history. Um, the thing that people just, you know, like rolling through dungeons and punching monsters or whatever. It's fine. It has been a part of our tradition forever and there's nothing wrong with it. But I think to Schmitty's point, there are other types of conflicts and um, those can be just as exciting as a combat if you do them correctly. And that's where we're going to focus today. Yes, indeed. And they are 
um, honestly, just just for me, right? Like, um, I don't get excited about combat the way that I used to, but I do get really excited about some of the other types of conflict that we can have in games. And so that's, I think, part of the reason that my taste in gaming has shifted because I'm now leaning towards games that feed me different types of conflict. Right? Yeah, for me, it depends. If the game is like, if the game is about that. So like, I love, sure. I love Dungeon Crawl Classics, right? Yeah. So I have no problem. Like, I have no problem when we play that game, rolling into dungeons, busting some stuff up, right? Like, I'm totally okay with that. But I play lots of other games. And so when other games have other methods for resolving conflicts or other routes other than violence, like I'm all for that. Like when I played um, uh, Tales from the Loop, like we hardly ever had combat in Tales from the Loop. That's not really what the kids did, right? No. So for me, it's for me, it's very much um, it's very much a genre. It's very much a genre thing, right? Like if, if the game genre supports that combat is the way you get stuff done fine but also i'm very okay with not punching everything in the face um to solve problems like i like solving problems many other ways um and in fact so do my players um a lot of times my players will um will try to find non-combat solutions to problems so that's even more important to talk about um how do we do that how and not even how do we do that how do we make that exciting in, yeah. in a game. Okay, cool. Yeah. All right, good. Cool. So in order to do this, we really need to just kind of look at the structure of a conflict um, because, and I'll tease this ahead of it, all conflicts, when you abstract them, are basically the same. Um, yeah. Right? We'll get into it in a second, but all of them are basically the same, which is good because it's going to tell us that we can um, we can address them in very similar ways. Okay, so we're going to do the simplest conflict, which is two people um, conflicting over a thing. Now, if mm-hmm. we have multiple people conflicting over a thing, um, it's it's everything I said, just multiplied. Yes. Okay. And potentially with more different goals mixed in. Also right? possible, right? Like it, the complexity, yeah. the complexity scales upward. But really, at its core, it looks like this, right? So let's start with let's start with um, the first thing that we have in any conflict is the parties, and in our case, it's going to be the two people, right? Person A, mm-hmm. person B. Okay. Yes. Next, between them, there is a point, as in like point of contention, right? Mm-hmm. Which is the focus of the conflict. Yeah. So if we're talking about combat, if we do talk about combat and like how we just approach that, we're saying, um, I want to steal all the stuff from this dungeon and the other side is i live here and i don't want you to steal all the stuff from this dungeon makes you so, it, it really makes like, you it really makes you wonder who the good guys are in, it does it does when you reduce the conflict to those actual two viewpoints yes. which is i want to steal all your stuff and the person being like i don't want to be unalived and all my stuff stolen like okay you really gotta wonder okay good <laughs> so yes that, perfect right you're right you're you're right with me let me take let me add the next piece in right each yep. party has a deci- a desired outcome, right? Yep. And those outcomes need to conflict with one another, right? Yes. We polar, some- Go ahead. You, they can be polar opposites, but they have to, they don't have to be complete polar opposites, but they have to conflict. Right, because if they don't conflict, then we don't really have to have a conflict. We can have negotiation and cooperation. Yes. Right, like for instance, if the monsters in the dungeon didn't care about the treasure and the right. party showed up and was like, we would like the treasure or we'll unalive everything in here. And the monsters are like, fuck like, it, all right. take it. <laughs> like, just, we'll just get out of your way. Yeah, like, <laughs> do you need a hand carrying it out? Like, <laughs> like, yeah. Like then we don't, we don't have a conflict, right? So, yes. so we have to have, we, we need those things to be opposed to each other, right? So um, maybe the monsters don't care about the treasure, but they do give a shit about people wandering into their house and you know and getting all violent so maybe and again this is where this is where we're talking about um the the outcomes don't have to be polar opposites right like in this case the monsters are like fuck you get out of my house and the heroes are like we're gonna unalive you and take your stuff um (laughs) um, so anyway these these outcomes um we often refer to as the stakes what are the stakes of this scene right what are the stakes of this conflict who is you know one of these is going to be true one of these will be false at the end of this at the end of this conflict 
Mm-hmm. Okay. And then finally, um, we need a method for how to reach one of the desired outcomes. We need a method for how each desired outcome can be met. I should say that's probably a better way to say it. Um, and then one of them will be met. Well, potentially, or or neither of them. Or neither, right. right. The, the, the outcomes with, with two conflicting desires, I actually think there's three outcomes. You get one desire, the other desire, or kind of neither Correct. right like you can still screw it up they the 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 denizens of the dungeon and the quote heroes can come into the dungeon clash completely murder each other nobody gets the treasure and they're all dead like yep. or <laughs> that's they, totally or, a feasible or outcome. the heroes retreat and well actually that's the outcome of the monster that's right? the outcome I, of the monsters yeah. one yeah nope uh, you're correct right um okay so so when we think about that, right, and we just did, we just did a combat concept. We totally just did but, a combat but, one because it's so easy with combat because it's very straightforward. Sure, but I, I mean, we could do the same thing. Like that could have been hacking a computer. That could have been negotiating yep. um, the sale of a boat, right? Like yep. it can be all of those things, right? All of those things actually it, plug right into that same framework. We probably should have used a chase because chases are super clear too about like, I want to get away. I want to catch you. Yeah. That's I'm mean, there's like, there's your two. Um, I want you to pay. I want you to pay thirty percent more than the than the book cost of the boat. I want I want to pay ten percent less than the book cost of the boat. Right. Right. That's a nonviolent conflict. That's a negotiate. That's a price negotiation. That's haggling. Yeah. Okay. Yep. All right. Cool. So yeah. So you can see that very quickly. Um, you can see very quickly that with this 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 wireframe of a conflict, it's pretty easy to plug things into it. Yeah. Okay. Cool. And then again, like we said, if you um, if you scale it up and just add more parties and more stuff, um, it's yeah. still the same thing at its core. Just you just gets you just more complicated. make it right. And then and then if if you get if it gets so big that there are people who have um, you know end goals that are not necessarily conflicting, that's where you get into situations where you can like. And then these people allied because the enemy of my enemy is my friend. But then like something happens and their goals split and now they're against each other again, right? Like this is just how you um, construct those complicated situations. Yep. Okay. Perfect. All right. So now that we understand what goes into a conflict. In RPGs, conflicts can basically be boiled down to three ways to resolve them. I'm mm-hmm. sure somebody's going to find a fourth one, but I swear I'm pretty sure it's three. Okay. Well, they're pretty broad buckets. I so. hope so. <laughs> I hope so. But I hate when I I hate when I give any kind of definitive thing. Somebody's yep. like like comes out of the woodwork. Like, but actually, like let's just go with <laughs> well, three ways. Actually, yes. All right. <laughs> RPG conflicts can be resolved in three ways. The first way is narrative only. Right. Mm-hmm. The GM basically just decides the winner based on narrative positioning. Like or. Ev- or, Sorry, go ahead. No, no, that's fine. Good. Or I was gonna say, or um, potentially the GM doesn't end up getting involved in all at all, or it's a GMless game, um, and either the table agrees on the outcome, or you discover through play what makes the most sense. Sure. So, like, if you think about fiasco and how you basically determine who kind of won, quote, won the the scene, um, or you. Um, you know, just have PC versus PC conflict and you have players at the table playing that out um, or a game in which, you know, you pass rolls around or anything. I'm thinking about, yes, looking at you win. Um, right. To be clear, you know, narrative only means that no mechanics, nobody rolls a dice, no, yeah. no mechanics. So no mechanics. So for you, instance, for instance, in fiasco. Okay, that's fair. Everybody it, does the dice thing. Uh, well, not anymore because that's fiasco. That's, thing, right? Okay, I'm thinking first, first edition. All right. But. But okay, that Whoop. bring it all back. What I'm going for is we are going to either narratively determine or narratively discover. I think that's the key part. That's right? fine. So either someone is going to determine based on the narrative or you are going to group discover through the narrative how the conflict is resolved. I, I'm fine with that. Okay. The idea being is that no mechanism, no mechanism. was engaged. There's no game mechanism. Now, yeah. now, here's the important part, right? So in a GM-less situation a GMless game or, or just the GM not involved. Um, that narrative only has to be agreed upon by the players. Yep. Whereas with a GM, the GM acts as the arbitrator, right? Yep. And basically listens to like, listens to the narrative positioning of both sides and then makes a ruling. Yep. 
Okay. So, and there, there is a difference there, right? Because one of these happens purely through play and player negotiation, not necessarily character negotiation, player negotiation, potentially. Because um, when this happens at my table, and frankly, it happens all the time, um, if we aren't sure about the direction or anything like that, or if we're not sure someone's okay with this happening to their character, there is an out-of-character moment in which, like, I kind of see this going this way. Are you cool with that, right? Sure. So there can be player negotiation about it yep. and then playing to discover. Um, or you can have GM arbitration right. or facilitator arbitration. Because, because at times when this fails, we wind up going to the next two um, solutions. Yeah. All right. So if the GM, if, if the narrative isn't going to solve it, the next one is you can engage simple mechanics. And when I yeah. say simple mechanics, I mean the kind of mechanics, and this will all depend on your game, where a single roll slash check determines the outcome. Yeah, a, a single engagement of a mechanic. Yes. So, yeah. and typically that's like a roll or check, right? Like, yeah, it could be the table, like, it could be the table voting. Uh, it, it could be if that's, like if that, that's right? the mechanic of your game. Yeah. And, and and again, I'm being very clear, right? These are the rules of the game. So Yeah, no, I was thinking about turning point, so That's fine. That right. is the rule of our game. <laughs> yeah. That's fine. Turning point, turning point is a vote. Yes. Yep. Okay. Um, but you know, in a D20 game, this would be like you like make a diplomacy check. Yeah, make a diplomacy check, see. Period. Right? Make a diplomacy Done. check, period. Okay. Mm-hmm. Then there are extended mechanics. And Mm -hmm. these are the kind of mechanics where multiple rolls, checks, multiple turns, multiple votes, card play, whatever. The the idea is that it happens over a series of rounds slash turns. Yes. Now, combat is an extended conflict mechanic. 100%, yes. It is designed to take multiple turns. Now, it doesn't always if somebody one shots or crits or whatever, but that system is designed to go turn by turn, turn by turn until somebody loses. There are a hundred exceptions to that. I'm not getting yeah. into any of them, yeah. but you all know where I am on this. Yes. Okay. All right. So narrative, simple mechanics, extended mechanics. Mm-hmm. You will know what these are for your game. Yeah. Okay. In your game, you should be in the game you are running. You should be able to identify each of these. Yeah. Right. If we're playing Blades in the Dark, simple mechanics is a single check. Extended mm-hmm. mechanics is like a clock. Mm-hmm. Right. In D20, simple mechanics is a um, is a single roll. Extended mechanics would be something with multiple rolls. Okay. Okay. Not all of these games have extended mechanics for other types of conflicts. Right. They almost all have that um, for combat but may not have other like they may not have written other extended mechanics for other types of conflict. Yeah. Okay. Um, that we'll get into in a second because we'll talk about what to do when that's when you don't have something um, in the rule book. Yes. Um, okay, cool. <laughs> so different games have different conflict mechanics um, like written into them. Um, and we just talked about this, right? Um, for instance, the, the simplest, um, in the simple mechanics category, the most basic is the head-to-head check. Yeah. You know, right. you just, you're like, I want to charge you 30% more for the boat. And the other person's like, I want to pay you 10% less for the boat. You both roll and you see where it, who wins. Uh, yeah. Whoever had the higher, ch- whoever had the better check. Right. Is the they one get who their gets thing. their desire. Done. Yep. Yeah. Simple, simple, right. Simple mechanic resolution to that conflict. Mm-hmm. Um so most games have that. Um, yeah. Not necessarily like PBTA games, right? PBTA games don't often have head-to-head checks. PBTA games have moves. Moves kind of tell you what to do. Moves on players sometimes have specific coding in them um, for what to do. So yes. more traditional games have these head-to-head check things. Head-to-head, head-to-head check thing can also be something like, um, I am a guard. I would like to spot anyone trying to sneak onto this property. I am a mm-hmm. thief. I would and like I to would sneak like to onto, not, yes. not be spotted. Yes. Make your rolls. I would like stripes, please. Yeah. Stealth versus <laughs> perception. Bam. We'll see who gets there. Okay. Now, depending on the genre, depending on the rule system, other types of conflict that are not combat may already have established mechanics in your game. Right? Mm-hmm. Like maybe your game has 
uh, rules for doing chases because yeah. chases are a thing in your game. Because they're fun. Sure, chases, <laughs> chases, chases are great, right? Foot, foot yeah. chases, car chases, space, you know, chases through asteroid fields, like all uh, of those chases things. Chases on the backs of giant bird oh wait that was a race we're getting yeah. there um <laughs> well races all right so races, races are kind of like chases um with well, a different cha- goal yeah i mean they're all right i mean the different goal right in a race it's to get there first yeah in a in chase a race is to pass the person and get there first in a chase is to catch the person Correct. or get away right yeah. yeah um so racing is another one right racing's mm-hmm. a fun one um racing's a good one too because that you know often when something's in contention like again this conflict is quite easy I would like to get to the object. I would like to get to the destination first. Mm-hmm. And in this case, we both have the same goal to get to the destination first. The problem is... Only one of us is going to get there first. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you mm-hmm. see, it all fits under that same mechanic. Okay. Um, other games have rules for hacking. If you are playing a cyberpunk game, you probably have rules for hacking, which you might be like... I don't know if that doesn't count as combat. And I would agree with you because sometimes hacking rules wind up more like like combat and less like sneaking around, but not always. Um, yeah, I was going to say, actually, like, I feel like hacking either sways towards feeling like combat or sways towards feeling like infiltration. It's both. Yeah. It's it's absolutely both depending on the game. Um, yeah. So that one, that one, um, that one depends, right? Like, for instance, in Shadowrun, Hacking is both infiltration until it's not. Mm-hmm. And then it's definitely combat. Um, yeah. In Knights Black Agents, which is based um, in, in, the, like, in our timeline, um, hacking is very much an infiltration. Yeah. You, you can't get like, you don't get fried in the machine or something if you get caught right. hacking in Knights Black Agents. You get right. caught in the machine. Like you get caught breaking into the machine. Yeah. Okay. Um, social right. combat is another one. Um, and it's been around for a while, right? My first encounter with with social combat mechanisms was uh, Burning Wheel, um, yeah. but they exist in other places, um, and you know that's absolutely a type of. And when we say social combat, this is usually um, somebody wants something, and they're not going to fight about it. They're going to argue with words, right? The or conflict use is other non combat non-violence means to try to achieve their end i guess like non-physical because like yeah like if we're if we're like and like like the haggling is a type of social combat yeah. um two people trying to convince the king um to either engage or not engage in a um in a land war Sure. I mean, I think that you can use physical like I think the only reason I didn't say physical is I think that intimidation and like that kind of thing um, where you use various types of body language can still totally be part of social combat, but we're not touching each other. Right. Or, or, we're, not, or we're, we're not engaging in any sort of physical violence. Correct. That, yeah. That's a, when we say social combat. Right. We're, that's what we're talking about. And we're and when we say social combat, we're talking about um, it's it, it's not a one way thing. Right. It's not like I would like to persuade the king. I'm by myself. I'd like to persuade the king to get involved in land war. That is a that is just a diplomacy check. But if I am on one side of the room and the other person is on the other side of the room and we are both making arguments to convince the king about what to do, now we're engaged in a social combat. Yeah. And it's interesting to me. I, I to me, I had like a couple more um, subcategories under this one. Oh, please. And I, I, I saw your yeah. notes. Break, like, break it open. Yeah, no, I'm going to break it open a little bit. And and I will just say, like, there's so many ways that you can consider various situations for basically social conflict like this, um, that like, this is just this is the quick way that came to mind for me. And the reason I define it like this is I think it's because it's easy for me to then define the kind that I really like to play in games and the kind that I'm sort of like, yeah, it's fine. But it's like not the thing that um, sucks me in as much, right? Um, and again, like all that is just for me personally playing games. So um, I kind of define it then as political versus personal. Like if you are, if you're in that situation and you're fighting, you're kind of doing the social conflict thing to get the, the king to agree with you, that's a political situation. You are fighting for something um, kind of outside of yourself. It originates outside of you. And you may have attachments to it um, or strong feelings about it, but it's still a thing that is not you personally, right? Mm-hmm. Um, 
going, going, you know, doing a land grab on the neighboring kingdom is not about you personally. Um, but then there's the other part of the social conflict scale, which is, um, you know, very personal, right? That I'm, we are in this conflict because of something that is very personal to you. So like your actual emotions, you know, you broke up with them. And like, now when you are in the same room together, like you're both kind of trying to talk to the king about the land grab. But um, this conversation is really actually about, um, you know, rehashing this stuff that made you break up. Um, now it's personal. <laughs> sure. Now it's a personal conflict. Um, and that particular scenario, like that's probably not a thing that's going to be re- really resolved. The personal part, because if you broke up, there's probably a bro- reason that you broke up and you know, you don't just smooth that stuff over a lot of the time. Um, but, but just being, it being sort of more about the external drivers versus the internal emotional drivers, um, that kind of make the social conflict happen. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, anyway, that's no, my no, thoughts on perfect, right? social conflict. I yeah. love it. It's my favorite. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's great. And and it is um when when it when it is interesting to do, it makes things like debates, arguments, negotiations, those kinds of things really exciting. Yeah, it adds a whole nother layer of um character reaction and interaction. Um and for me, I think the reason that I personally am really into like the personal social conflict is because um, for me, it's easier to get both immersion and the type of bleed that I enjoy from games Sure. from playing out personal social conflict. I'm with you. If that makes sense. Yeah. All right. I'm just going to throw one last one on the list here before we roll over to the next part of this, which is uh, infiltration, which is the thing we talked about. Um, yeah. I-, I will just say like, sneaky, sneaky, sneaky. yeah, I will say like Knights Black Agents has a really good um, infiltration chase mechanic, which is basically like, so I'm going to plug Knights Black Agents real quick because I'm playing it right now. Um, <laughs> so they have a combat system. Right. And that's kind of its own subsystem. And then in the original book, they had a chase system for doing like cool car chases, because if you've ever watched a Jason Bourne movie or Ronin or anything like that, it's got to be a chase. There has to be a sick car chase or a foot chase, um, Mm -hmm. which the mechanics do both, which was awesome. But then in their supplement, Double Tap, they took that same mechanic that same that same set of rules which is basically just a tug of war mechanic like you actually start it like it's a little thing that goes between um one and five one and ten you start it at five and each side makes checks and it's a tug of war it just pulls the number one direction or the other and if it gets to either end whoever whoever has that end the pursuer or the quarry um gets their outcome Right. That, yeah. It's very simple. Cool. So, so then they adapted. They took the same thing and they were like, cool, it works for hacking. Cool. It works for infiltration. And oh, they like just made cool. like they made some modifications to that core chase. Yeah. So that now like you can do your hacking where somebody is like trying to counter hack you. Right. Like yeah. somebody's trying to protect the system that you're breaking into or infiltration. You're trying to sneak your way into this place, um, you know, to get information and the guard patrols, the cameras, all of that represent um, the other part of the chase. It's really slick yeah. without actually making up completely different rules for all of them. Once you learn the chase mechanic, the other ones all kind of like they all work the same way. Yeah, so it's predictable and easy to yeah. implement. And yet it is exciting. Yeah, that okay. is exciting. Yeah, because it, it makes... It, right, it makes like sneaking into a building exciting. Instead yeah. of just being like, well, okay, well uh, make a stealth check. Yeah, You're 100% <laughs> with me. All right, cool. All right, so the point of this little section that we were covering is that some of your games already have these built in. Yes. Um, depending on the genre, depending on the rule system, and depending on the designer. Yeah, but, I mean, I'm playing Monster Hearts 2 right now, so. <laughs> yeah, which has moves for most of these. Yeah, like, there, there's no actual combat. There is only social combat. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, so now what if, and, and this happens a lot, right? What if you have a conflict, a non-violent conflict in your game, and you don't have a subsist- an existing subsystem for it? Right? Like, what do you do as a GM? Um, yeah. Be- because because there is a lot you can do as a GM, and we're going to break it down and show you, right? 
Yes, we are. Cool. So um, basically, the first thing to start with when we when we talk about these situations, we're just going to break it down into a couple things. The first thing to start with is to identify what the elements of the conflict are um, so that you make sure that everyone understands the stakes and who the different people involved in the conflict are. Mm-hmm. Um, I can, I can, I have a memory of a s- sort of scum and villainy game that I played where we ended up in a race. And, um, so, you know, it's, there were a bunch of people involved in the race, but it was us versus like one other team that were like really in on this, that were like, one of us has to win this, um, because we need, you know, whatever the prize was. I don't, I don't remember, uh, amazing time warping engine situation. It was very good. Um, so the stakes were that engine, like it was a big deal, (laughs) right? Okay. Keep going. Keep going. Okay, cool. So, um, secondly, um, you have to then determine the method that is going to be used to find the outcome, right? So, in our case, it was a race because it was the prize. Um, And then, thirdly, what mechanics will work best, simple versus mechanic, uh, or simple versus mechanic, simple versus extended um, Or, or narrative. Or narrative mechanics. It could be narrative, too. Um, in the particular instance that I'm outlining, what basically ended up happening is it was extended because it was a race. We were playing through um, multiple points in the race. It was a it was a race around a, uh, a, 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 a an atmospherically enclosed junk planet um, that was pretty cool. Very Mario Kart um, has nothing to do with the topic. Sorry, but it was very cool. Um, but we had to make up some um, some stuff um, about that race because I had built a uh, like a space bike thing um that didn't really work the way that the rest of the game <laughs> worked so we like built race mechanics for how that race would happen a little bit on the fly right so we're going to do an actual example though that's better than me telling gaming stories um and we are going to set this up and i love this so very much um we're going to set this up there's two rival musketeers Right, mm-hmm. and they are trying to win the affections of the Duke that they are both interested in. Yes, cool. All right, so Phil, tell me what the narrative resolution to this looks like. Sure. So if we're, um, you know, if we're doing this with just a narrative resolution, right? The GM allows um, both characters to have a like a little mini scene with the Duke, right? Mm-hmm. So they both have a scene, and you know, the GM plays the Duke, and um, each player like you know flirts, you know. Um, with with the uh, you know you know in conversation right flirts with the duke or whatever, and then the GM just decides like the duke is interested in in player A, right right just you know that's the narrative way. Yep. All right, so now tell me the simple way. Yeah, so if you do a simple resolution, so both characters might make a flirt check versus the duke, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and whoever uh, has the higher flirt check wins the duke's eye. Yes. Or the dance for this evening's ball, whatever Correct. it is. I was thinking of something a little more um, a little more after party-ish, but Well, you have to get to the ball and the dance before you can get to the after party. That's fair. It's fair. It's fair. And whoever gets the dance, ooh, but maybe it's the dance. Maybe you roll for like while you're dancing with the Duke who's gonna be Well, maybe that's the flirt check is the dance. That's the flirt is the dance. Yeah. <gasps> can we play this game? <laughs> we actually are gonna play this game. We're gonna play this game. Yeah. Um, okay, I'll do the yeah. extended then. Yeah, tell me the extended. You got a little lost there. You got a little, I did. I got I got distracted by the idea of the ball. Yes. Okay. So <laughs> the GM uh, on the fly decides that um, the two characters will try to win the Duke's eye uh, all through the course of the ball, right? Yes. So, um, and then at the end of the night, then the Duke will pick who, um, who they're going to take home with them. So the way that we're going to do it, right, the GM's like, cool, uh, each of you will get a chance to do five checks. Um, you get to decide, like, what the check is. Is it flirt? Is it physical prowess to show off your dancing? Um, you know, is it your, um, is it your knowledge, your witty repartee? Like, whatever. You're going to get to pick. Everybody makes – you make your checks – and whoever racks up the most successes, the highest margin of success, whatever your mechanics are, right? Um, that's the one the Duke goes home with. I mean, you could do that with the Knights Black Agents chase back and forth. Absolutely, you could. Mechanic too. Absolutely, cool. you could. Now, let yeah. me just say this: um, our example with the, the Musketeers and the Duke um, makes an assumption that 
neither of the musketeers is okay going home all three of them yeah right because if they were all just assumption you could just have a beautiful little triad there and solve this problem correct but that's where we get into the the two goals have to be opposing that's correct and that is um that I, I wanted to bring that up one because i was being cheeky about it um but two i wanted to bring it up because um that has that is it was implied but we should be very clear about it um otherwise there would be a way to kind of negotiate a you know another solution to this so in our example um each musketeer wants the duke to themselves yes okay yeah okay so cool so that's like so what we've just shown you is three different ways to determine the outcome of this non-violent um, conflict. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, the thing is, as a GM, as you're running the game, you need to, um, these things are going to come up and you need to know um, where in the story you are and which method works best for where you are and where you're trying to go in the session that you're in. Yeah. Specifically in that, um, like how, how primary, if you will, um, is how important is this conflict to the overall story or to the characters who are involved in the story, right? If this is, if this is a side gig that just came up tonight and it's going to slow things down, um, then maybe this isn't one where you do an extended exactly situation right to resolve it if you're um, if, conversely if your plan for the evening was i'm going to do this ball and um the whole goal of the ball is to see who goes home with the duke then yeah. you're going to want to um you may have if you're the kind of person who preps you may have prepped this idea about these five checks or yeah. you might just come up with it on the fly, but you might be like, no, no, I want to go. I definitely want this to be an extended scene. Right. This is really important. This is the culmination of this, um, you know, dysfunctional little love triangle that's occurring here. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and, and so that's like, that's a, that is a front and center centerpiece kind of part of the storyline versus like, um, you know, somebody just, you know, tried to pick up someone at the inn for five minutes and like are they going to succeed or not like we're not invested in that like for instance to quote one to cite one of our favorite movies the um bar scene in three musketeers the disney three musketeers (laughs) right that doesn't really have any bearing on the story it really doesn't need much in a mechanical sense greater than a simple check right right Right. But you even just could just have the narrative check. Is he going to be good at kissing or not? Is your flame brushed cheeks? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and the thing is, and I and I, I guess I want to make this clear. The thing is, from that example that we just did, all three of those methods are perfectly acceptable ways to deal with the situation. Yeah. They. It's not. I guess I, the point I want to make in this in this episode is that. Extended checks are not the ultimate check. Extended checks serve a purpose, right? Extended checks are a thing you do to have that tug of war, that back and forth, that um, um, high and low, like uncertain, certain uncertain kind of, you know, play back and forth. I would say Um, the extended check is something to use when your players are really engaged and invested in the outcome and they care a lot. So to play with that back and forth is fun and interesting and builds tension and further investment in interest. If it's not going to create that for your story, if it's going to make people go, oh man, how long do we have to spend on this? Then it's not the time to use an extended check. Exactly. Then then the simple or even simpler than that, um, the narrative. narrative. Now, And the reason I say narrative is because sometimes you don't want a thing to fail. Right. So you just you don't even call for the role. You just go with the narrative and just, you know, rule it out. Like, here's how it happens. Now, the funny thing to me about narrative is that while it is true that, you know, it it gives you the outcome that you 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 have very specific control over the outcome. Right. Um, In my particular group, that doesn't necessarily mean that we spent less time figuring it out. That's Um, and that's the preference of your table. Yeah. Right. It is very much the preference of my table. And it's something that I love, right? That we can sit down and do sort of an extended narrative to resolve this kind of thing. Right. Um, 
But so that's just a, a side note, like doesn't necessarily mean that a narrative is going to be shorter, but it does mean that you're not willing to let the mechanics res- resolve it for whatever reason, or it's more fun not to. Or you just um, don't and that's even, okay. Like, it doesn't, or you don't care. It doesn't need it. It doesn't I, need it. You know, like sometimes, sometimes we often, like we sometimes say, um, you know, in specific games, if, um, if both outcomes aren't interesting, don't roll. Don't roll. Yeah. Do the interesting yeah. outcome. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So the, um, so the point of this is right. The point of this is, is that, those three examples we presented are all viable. Which one you pick in the moment of the game has to do with where you are in the story and where you need the story to go, right? That's what we were just, that, that's what we've been talking about. And there's no rule for this. This is a thing as a GM of the eight skills. I know <laughs> you listeners all love the eight skills. Um, You're going to write those books sometime, right? <laughs> the eighth skill. I'm just going to write it and just keep, yeah. Um, <laughs> Of the eight skills, the like story pacing is definitely one of them. So you just need to know where you are in the story, where you want to be in the story, and then you will know which one of those options seems like the best fit. Yeah. Okay. Lastly, um, the other part of this that makes this possible is understanding the rules of the game that you're playing. Right. So if you need to on the fly make up a conflict mechanic, or even if you're prepping one for the, you know, for your upcoming game, the better you know your rules, the better you will know how to um, use the existing rules to kind of make your own, um, to make your own um, piece for this resolution. Like, for instance, when I was playing D20, when we got to fourth edition and saw the, um, um, skill challenge. I was like, Oh, I have a whole new method for how to get stuff done now in the game. Right. And started making variants of that to do things that I wanted to do in the game. Um, in fate. And I'm a big fan of this in fate. Fate actually presents you with three frameworks for, um, three frameworks for different types of conflict. Um, one of which can be used directly for combat, like physical combat, but the other ones, like you can adapt them. Like there's a race mechanic and there's a multi, there's a multi-step, um, a multi-step challenge mechanic. Right. And then there's like straight up like fight conflict kind of thing. And you can just like, when you are GMing that game, you can look at like what you need to do in the narrative and then be like, which framework besides the fourth one would be just make a simple role. Right. Yeah. So which framework best best fits the moment in the story? If your game lacks those things, you might need to make them up. Yeah. Right. And that's where, again, going, I'm going to loop right back on myself, knowing the rules of the game, understanding the mechanics of the game that you're playing will allow you to do that. For instance, I'm running Knights Black Agents. If I run into something where I'm like, huh, this has not been spelled out in the rules, but it's kind of like the chase mechanic. Right. And then I know can. how the chase mechanic works. Yep. I can very quickly be like, cool, we're going to use these skills. We're going to use this tug of war mechanic. And you all know the rest of how this goes. Let's do it. Yep. Yeah. That's, I think, the key. And that, I think, is the key to kind of sum this up now. This, like, all of this is what goes into non combat conflicts. And I'll, I'll extend that even further conflicts that are not already coded in your game yes because if your game has social combat mechanics you just use those but what if your game doesn't how would you do it this is like this is how you do it right it's the idea of first understand the conflict figure out what mechanics fit it best and having some knowledge of both in the story where which which um solution should you pick and mechanically how will you make that uh solution work does that make sense? I think, yeah, I think it does. I mean, I think that's that's pretty much. And I think we can both wrote. say we're huge fans of of this. I love um, I love non combat conflicts. Um, they are they can be they can be just as exciting as combat um, when done correctly. Um, I mean, honestly, a whole lot of fun for me. Yeah, most of my recent experience has been that um, 
it's more exciting to me than combat. Well, and you know what? I, honestly, I, I've, I've noticed as I've gotten older, um, and especially with one of my game groups, um, combat is not always their go-to choice. Yep. Like, yeah. It's not their go-to option for solving problems. So having other mechanics for like, cool, let's debate this out or, you know, yeah. let's let's run this as a chase like kind of it, thing. It, it feeds into what kind of game you choose to play with that group. Yeah. Right. Because you might as well play games that give them those options instead of you having to sort of work around the game to be able to provide them to that. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Cool, cool. All right. That is, uh, that's our episode. Thank you, Schmitty, for uh, an awesome topic. Um, that was fun. I enjoyed, I enjoyed writing it. So, um, like, I enjoyed pondering it, thinking about it. And, um, and as always, I've enjoyed having this discussion with you. Yeah. Cool. It's fun to um, talk games with you. It's like that's always. why we started a podcast. Oh, hey, we need to talk about something really quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What do we need to talk about? Um, we need to talk about how this episode is going to drop and then there won't be an episode that follows it. We're taking a week off. Right. We will be taking a week off. Yes. True this fact. is a planned. The last a, one, I got The last sick. one was unplanned. Phil yes. had a cold. It was a non-COVID cold, but it was nasty. Yeah, I was not feeling good. Yeah. Um, but for chasing the calendar, let me do this really quick. Um, this episode will drop November 1st. Mm-hmm. Okay. The episode that would drop November 8th. There won't be one. There will not be an episode. We will be back on the 15th. Correct. Okay. Just wanted to make that clear because um, that is a known that is a known thing. It is known. It is upcoming. We will miss you, um, yes. but we'll be back. Correct. Okay, good. Now that I've covered that, would you please tell me about another show on the Misdirected Mark Network? And then we are going to blast through the closing, hit the lounge, and then um, and then we'll be done for today. Yeah. So, um, hey, on the Misdirected Mark, Phil, Bob, and Jerry go live every Tuesday evening at 8 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. my time, which is damn early, y'all, um, to break down and get inside games, game mastering, playing games, and game design in an effort to entertain and inform you. And I am there, usually still making dinner. Yeah, there you go. I, well, I, will, <laughs> I, will keep, I will keep you company during dinner. That's fine. Yeah, yeah. I'm it's totally good. down for that. Cool. cool. Say, so send up. How do people find us on the internet? Hey, you can find us on Twitter at Pandas Talk Games. You can find us uh, in the Misdirected Mark forums, which is forums.misdirectedmark.com, or, of course, in the Slack Room for Life, if you are a Patreon backer. Um, you can drop us an email, panda at misdirectedmark.com, or you can hunt us down on the Tiki Talkies, where we do not have a show feed, so you have to find us as individuals. It's like a treasure hunt. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yes. We are the Easter eggs of TikTok. There you go. <laughs> anyway, once they find us in one of those locations, what can they do with that information? Yeah, you want to send us a topic. Um, I usually go into a whole spiel on this, but I actually want to have a little more lounge time. So um, uh, send us a topic, a question, a thing you want us to talk about. Um, just whatever's on your mind about gaming. We're here to help. And uh, the best way we can help is to address the things that are on your mind. Um, so do that and we'll make a show out of it because um, we're like Rumpelstiltskin now when it comes to <laughs> show topics. Like you give us some straw, we will spin some gold. Damn right. Okay. If you like what we do here elsewhere on the Misdirected Mark Network, please uh, consider supporting our Patreon campaign. Go to patreon.com slash MMP. Patrons get access to the Slack room, which gets you the invite to the luncheon, which is where Schmitty asked their question. So thank you again, Schmitty. Um, you get the Bamboo Lounge. You get the after show from Misdirected Mark, which is just more of us talking off script. Um, but it's still pretty damn funny. Um, and uh, you just get to hang out on the Slack community with uh, 102 fantastic people. Um, they're great. Uh, you, can, you can talk about recipes, gaming, Kickstarters, Minecraft, whatever. It's all there, um, uh, and we would love to have you if um, if you're available. Yeah, so I'm just going to say, unlike Rumpelstiltskin, we do not accept children as, you know, Quite the opposite, actually. We are both Please parents, no and we are children. kind of like done with children. <laughs> I love them, but I'm not taking any more. I don't need any more children, thank nope. you. All full up on children, thank all you. All full on children. Yeah. Okay, anyway... Um, 
if you're already a patron, thank you very much. If you're unable to patronize um, the campaign, we to- the network, we totally understand. It's it's fine. Um, please just you know keep listening and enjoying and sending it. You sending in your ideas. Um, there's another thing you can do. I'm going to just say it really quick. Uh, spread the word. You know, it, mention us on social media. Tell your friends. Tell your family. You know, if they play role playing games, don't make them l- listen to us if they don't. Um, coworkers, whatever. Do all of that. Um, there's another thing you can do. Send us about sneeze. So I'll just tell you really quickly. Look, you can go to iTunes, leave us a review um, if you're so inclined, or go to the podcatcher of your choice and leave a review. We appreciate it greatly. Um, it bumps us up in all those weird algorithms. But more importantly, the reason that's important is it just gets people who've never listened to the show or even know who we are. It, it gives them a chance to possibly, like as they're flipping through their podcast thing, to be like, oh, this pandas thing seems interesting. And then you know how the rest of it goes. Because once you listen to us, you will love us. You will love so us. That's that. Cool. All right. Done. Um, say, Senda, um, <laughs> tell me yes. in your first check to woo the duke what skill are you going to use this show is a joint production of she's a super geek and misdirected mark productions the media arm of encoded designs Show me what you got, eh? Show me what you got. Show me what you got, eh? Show me what you got. Show me what you got, eh? Show me what you got, eh? Show me what you got, eh? Well, there we go. Showtime. <sighs> showtime. <laughs> Panda showtime, as opposed to other showtimes. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome and bienvenue. Welcome. Um, okay, you were something étrange, stranger. <laughs> Welcome. Hey. All right, you anyway. ready to do this? I got a whole day's worth of house cleaning to yes. do. Yes, <laughs> you still have a lot to do today. Nah, yes. I've got a whole. I have a. I have a uh, friends of the library book sale that I'm hoping I can sneak out to before my game this evening. So. I know you've got a game. You've got this. You've got. I got to do laundry. I got to. I did laundry. Bag, but probably not till tomorrow because I got to do my laundry first. I did my laundry this morning, but, but I have a bathroom to clean. And but also books. But there's books. I don't have books. Okay. Are you ready? <laughs> did I just, yeah, I just was making dolphin noises, apparently. <laughs> what have I done to you? <laughs> Reduced you to dolphin noises. <laughs> you should be proud of yourself. I should be. I am. Mm -hmm. All right. Anyway, moving right along. (laughs) I win. (laughs) Sorry, did I catch you by surprise with that one? For a moment. (laughs) So today's conflict? Today's topic? Wow. Could be a show. This is what you get for having your dessert before you have your dinner. <laughs> no. It is. It is, in fact. Okay.